How many of you have been stirred up over the last few weeks in the area of miracles as we've been sharing? And uh, tonight I'm going to have something in my heart and uh, that I'm going to that I want to do and just felt led by the Lord to do as I was praying. I thought that we were kind of done uh, as far as what the Lord had put in my heart to be teaching over the last couple of weeks uh, on Wednesdays. But uh, as I was praying about tonight's service and what direction the Lord was going to lead me in, he brought me back and said, not yet. And uh, so that's the, the short version of that. But uh, if you will, turn with me in your Bible to a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Uh, And in verse 18, we're just going to read this one verse. And so we've been talking over the last, um, I guess, three weeks before tonight about miracles. And part of it is, is I want to stir up your faith to believe in the God of the Bible, which is a God of miracles. Uh, God does amazing, astonishing things uh, for his people. And, you know, and God will work. And so regardless of what may be going on in your life, I want to stir up in you that spirit of faith. You know, the Bible talks about Joshua and Caleb, that they had a different spirit than the other guys who went and scoped out the promised land. And that different spirit was they had a spirit of faith. And it was simply to say, God said, it's ours. Let's go get it. And the other guy said, well, maybe not so fast. But they were of a different spirit. And so, uh, you know, I really want to encourage you. And over these last couple of weeks, I, I would hope that not what I've necessarily said, but more so the Word of God has been stirring up in you, not just believing for miracles in your own personal life, although that you should. And any time that you face a difficult circumstance, it's a lot better when you have faith that, hey, that God will work for me. Even if he has to move heaven and earth, he would do it to work for me. And, um, you know, so we've been sharing along these lines. And so um, here in Luke chapter 4. This is the account it's, uh, where Jesus stands up in the temple and he reads a prophetic uh, word concerning the Messiah. And many of you can probably quote this as well as I can. But he says here in verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He says, He has sent me to proclaim that uh, captives would be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed would go or would be set free. In verse 19 it says, And it... to." That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, you know, many times if we're not careful, I believe that uh, we can kind of limit what we believe to be miracles to just physical healings. You say, well, that was a miracle. Why? Well, because a blind eye was opened, as it says here. And yet all of the things that are listed here all require really one necessary ingredient because I believe they're all miraculous in their own right and in their own way. But the, the necessary ingredient for a miracle is this, is the anointing. How many of you realize that the anointing is more important than even our faith? (laughs) Sometimes we need the anointing. Why? Because it will make up for where we might lack. Uh, You know, it's not about uh, always having things. But it's important here that it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's talking about Jesus referring to himself. says, the Holy Spirit has come upon me because he's anointed me for good. He's anointed me to bring about uh, the miraculous. And even as it says here, it says to proclaim... um, that captives would be re- released, those who are bound. Now, there's a lot of ways that we could be bound in our life. Uh, you know, there's not just one thing or one situation, and it doesn't just mean like, well, hey, I'm hooked on this or hooked on that. There's lots of things that the enemy would come to try to hinder. I mean, that's the reason that he comes to bind, Why? is to hinder the growth. I mean, think about Hebrews 12, where it talks about laying aside the weights and the sin. So there are some things that aren't bad, but they're weights. And if the enemy can get you slowed down a little bit, he's going to try. And yet Jesus declares that, look, I have come to what? Set captives free. You know, and so those are, you know, and and even in those things, and there's mental things as well. There are things that we battle uh, and and we can. That's why the Bible talks about that we have a, a helmet of salvation. What's that really talking about? That's really a a physical image, a helmet being around. It's like the Word of God guarding our heads. What I mean, it's just like what Paul wrote. He says that we should watch and really to keep the Word before us. Why? Because it mounts guard around our mind and our thoughts. And that's important for us. But even to the degree of this is that even when the enemy does get in, God will still work even to the point of having to do a miraculous work if necessary. To work on our behalf. And of course it goes on and it says that the blind will see. You know, there's no denying a miracle. Why? Because, well, this is what we know naturally and yet something changed. You know, I mean, think of the, there's several stories throughout the New Testament where we see where someone says, well, I know that 
that was blind Bartimaeus. That was how they identified him. It wasn't just, hey, there's Bart. It was like, hey, there's blind Bart. I mean, that's how they knew him. You know, I mean, it was so after that, they could no longer call him by that name. Why? Because a, an undeniable miracle had happened, you know. And, and, and so we see that even here. And then the last part of this, that it, it, one of the descriptions that it has about the Messiah says that he would, um, that the oppressed or those who were weighed down uh, would be set free. And every one of these things, and I could teach on every one of these, but that's not the instructions that I had from the Lord tonight. But I want you to see uh, it here is that every one of these, I believe, are miraculous. And sometimes, if we're not careful, I think that we can just kind of say, well, this wasn't anything spectacular, therefore it wasn't miraculous. Miracles don't mean spectacular always. Now they can. You know, and so, uh, let me give you a, a definition, another definition for miracle, and I believe this will help, may help you kind of connect with it, is this. This is one I haven't previously given you, but it's a divine interruption into the normal course of life. I'll repeat it. It's a divine interruption into the normal course of our lives. How many of you have ever been just believing God, walking through your life, and then God? Fill in the blank. Things were going one way, one direction. Things were just kind of, this is the way it's going to be. And then all of a sudden, you had a but God moment. Yes. And God said, and instantly things begin to change. You know, and I want to share some things with you tonight along this line. But um, before, I'm going to tell you what I'm, we're going to end up doing, and then we'll get to it in a few minutes. Um, <laughs> that way you can give you some time to be thinking. One of the things that I felt stirred in my heart about tonight um, specifically is that I wanted to give you the opportunity to share these moments where God has worked miraculously in your life. Uh, and here's the reason. Number one uh, is that I think it's good for us to remind ourselves sometimes. That, hey, if God did that before, God will do that again. If God worked for me before, God will do that again. It stirs faith in our heart that, hey, the same God that was faithful to me then will be faithful to me now. And the other side of what I believe can happen through that is that the very things that you've walked through can actually minister life to those in this room. And here's the neat thing is also we're going to stick this on the Internet. And you're like, oh, I don't want to say anything. But here's the crazy thing. Here's the neat thing about this. Somebody in Indonesia could hear it. Somebody in North Korea could hear this. Someone in who knows. I mean, we get, it gets down. Our podcast gets downloaded all over the all over the world, which is crazy to me. But it does. And so your story could actually connect and help somebody else in their moment of need. You know, I mean, I call it a story. The Bible calls it a testimony. What's a testimony? It's just simply declaring what God has done. You know, uh, Revelations chapter 12 gives us a, a window, I believe, that's important for us to see. Here in Revelations twelve ten, it says, that, and this is an angel, I'm sorry, this was John, but he, he's speaking and he says, I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. He says, uh, it has come at last salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. He says, for the accuser of our brethren, or the brothers and sisters, has been thrown down to earth, who, the one who accuses them before God day and night. Verse 11, it says, but they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. It says, they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid even of death. So there we see two things here that really cause us to be able to um, overcome, if you will, the powers of darkness. Now, this isn't a conclusive list. It's not like, hey, here's the only two ways that you can overcome the enemy because the Word of God is not specifically mentioned, but yet we know that the Word of God is given to us for what? To overthrow the powers of, of the enemy in our life. But it does say two specific things here, and one of them is the blood of Christ. Aren't you thankful? That's what we're celebrating this weekend. Is it what? That spotless, perfect sacrifice that stepped into our place. And so that blood speaks for us, and even to the degree of that I believe makes the miraculous even more available to us. Um, you know, as, as New Testament, New Covenant believers. And, but it also says that they defeated the work of the enemy by their own testimonies. And I believe that it's important for you to share these things from time to time. And, and so, you know, here's my instruction. Well, I'll give you instructions before we get to it here in a little bit. But let me, um, I just want to kind of share a couple things with you. And I want to... Um, 
you know, and of course you know the verse, but Romans ten seventeen, what? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I believe that there's many times nothing more powerful than the telling of a story. Why? Because I can preach and teach the Word of God and that's necessary. But stories are hard to forget. And here's another side thing. I think that it helps us as a body of believers to realize that, hey, there are people in our church who are facing things. That we could be believing with and standing with and praying. Why? Because we're a group of people. And so many times it's like, well, I'm the only one in the church that ever has these problems. Or I'm the only one facing this. Or I'm the only one walking through this. Uh, you know, and it's just, you f- and you can feel isolated. And yet when we actually will be honest about what's either happened in our life in the past, you know, then that can encourage and be like, oh, well, you went through that. Well, I didn't realize. I thought I was the only one that went through those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, I want to, before I, I kind of open it up to you guys, I wanted to share um a testimony, uh, and it's, it, you'll understand why here in a second. I've shared bits and pieces of this, but I want to give you the kind of the full picture of of because I I said in the beginning is that um, miracles aren't always just def, if you will put into just physical healings, although there is a huge part of that. You know, God works miraculously in every area of our life that we will allow Him, and it doesn't matter. You know, and I've shared stories of where God's. Uh, you know, even in the course of the last few weeks of where God just supernaturally protected me and there was divine protection. And that I, even just naturally speaking, I can look back and say, there's no way in the natural that should have happened, that I should have been protected in that moment. That should not have come out that way. And yet I came out with no problems, no issues. And yet I can look back and say, but I know that that was the Lord. You know, and so uh, I wanted to share one with you and uh, you know, and really, I, I, I want to share it a certain way. I've shared this story. Uh, many of you have probably heard this. Um, but uh, there was a time when me and Dara were youth pastoring uh, up in Kansas. And, um, you know, we were believing God for a house. We had went and looked at a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of houses. And uh, we could no more afford to buy a house than anything. And um, long story short... Um, you know, ultimately we looked for about two years and, uh, we had been believing God for a home and we had a little rent house, but it was really too small to uh, do what we wanted to do because we wanted to have our young people at our house. And that's, we've always kind of viewed our, you know, and believe for our house to be that. It was just a place where we could help minister to people. So it was just an extension of, you know, what God called us to do. And, uh, so we wanted to be able to touch more young people. And at that time our house was quaint and, uh, you know. And uh, it really brought about closeness and unity. Uh, you know, there were some blessings there. And, uh, you know, but we had been believing God for a house. You know, and, and I'm not going to go into all the, the details of it, but this is what I want you to hear is that one morning I woke up and it had been, me and Derek had went and looked at this one particular house. It was one of the very first houses, if not the first house we went and looked at. Um, and we both really liked it, but there was no way we could buy a house at that time. And uh, But every house that we looked at, which I don't know, how many would you guess homes we looked at? A lot. A lot of houses. To the point where it was just like, I'm tired of looking at houses. Um, it was a lot. And, uh, but one morning I had gotten up and I was getting ready to go to the church to go to work. And just something on the inside of me prompted and just said, drive by that house. And uh, I was like, I don't really know where it is because it had been so long. And I knew kind of in the general area, but I, wasn't, I didn't realize it was just right around the corner from where we lived. And, uh, you know, literally like two blocks. I mean, it was that close. I'm like, I'm not sure where it is. And uh, but it, there wasn't anything, you know, just amazing per se about it. But I drove by and there was a for sale sign. And every house that we had looked at for two years, we had kind of measured against that house. Uh, it was just the only one that we both liked for various reasons. And uh, so, but we couldn't really any more afford that house than we could have two years ahead of that. And, uh, you know, but there was some steps that in the natural that we had to take, obviously. And, um, you know, and so we, you know, kind of start, you know, go talk to the bank again. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, what have you done? I'm like, well, we paid off a little bit of stuff, not a whole lot. And, uh, you know, and so long story short, though, what happens is, is that that kind of, you know, ultimately we ended up buying that house. Um, now, I've shared this and I'll give you the, the short version of this is that the night before we went to sign on that house, I could not sleep. I was so worried. Um, because our rent was from the rent to the mortgage was more than double. Uh, and we did good to just to pay our rent. But I believe that the Lord was leading me to buy a home. And I believe that, that he would, that this was the right house, but I couldn't sleep. You ever been there where you believe something's the Lord and it is just messing with you. 
And, um, you know, and the thing was is that, I, and I was worried. I mean, there was anxiety. I was thinking, this is going to be the worst mistake I've ever made. We're going to lose everything. I'm going to have to file bankruptcy. I ain't even bought the house yet. I'm like, I could have just not shown up at closing. Like, that thought didn't run through my mind. All I think is they're going to throw me in jail. You know, I don't know. I don't really know what I was thinking. But it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was just worried. I just overwhelmed with just this thought of, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, all those natural things. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Because I I had the thought that said, this is going to be the biggest mistake of your life. And the Holy Spirit just, as He does, just just dropped something in my heart. And it says, no, this isn't going to be the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake would have been marrying the wrong person. And it would have cost you a lot more than this house ever will. And I was like, you're right. And I laid down and went to sleep. But see, but what happened, and ultimately we bought the house. We lived in that house for over five years. We never lacked to pay anything for that house, even though it was exorbitantly more than what we had been able to. Not only that, we had also been able to pay off a huge chunk of debt. Miraculously, looking back on it, the math still doesn't make sense. And, and this is what I want you to hear. And all, the reason I say all of that is we got to walk in a season of miraculous provision in our life. But it all started with a step of obedience. The miracle didn't come until we took a step. And many times we want to sit back and wait and wait and wait and say, Okay, God, when you work, I'll step. And God's saying, No, I need you to take a step of obedience first. You know, and it was a challenge in my mind and in my thought. And to, and to look back now at what God did during that time of our life is remarkable. I mean, I bought a house that I knew I could not afford. Now, I don't advocate that. So, don't say, well, Pastor did it, it work for me. We knew that the Lord had told us. Don't just say, well, God's no respecter of person. He did it for you, he'll do it for me. If it was his will. So, I mean, there is some wisdom involved in this. But at the same time, I want to encourage you and, and even challenge you a little bit in this. Is don't allow your present circumstances to determine your future. Why? Because God can do something in a moment. And one word from God will change everything. If it was left to me, I don't know if I would have bought the house. I think I would have worried myself all night long and just said, I can't buy that house. In the natural. The Lord spoke one word and said, no, this isn't the biggest mistake. You're right. He also prompted me one morning totally out of the blue to drive by that house. It had gone on the market that morning. They'd literally just stuck the sign in the yard 30 minutes before I drove by it. And we bought the house. It was a great house. We loved that house. It was great. It was a blessing to a lot of people, not just us. But it all came because of a step of obedience. And that one step of obedience was, let me say it this way, it was a catalyst of God working and doing multiple miracles in our life, specifically in the area of finances. I mean, because logic says, how do you go buy a house that you can't afford and you start paying off bills? It just doesn't happen. You know, and look, and there are some natural things, but look, that we did, sure. But there is no natural explanation for what God did. It was miraculous. It's probably the most miraculous season of my life as far as finances. Just crazy stuff. Just unbelievable where God worked and God moved. And it... But it all came out of a step of obedience. It just came from the place of saying, okay, God, I'm going to take a step. Even though everything in me says, this is crazy. But if I would have not taken that step, I would have missed out on the season and the blessing that God wanted to bring into our lives. Now, here's, let me just kind of qualify this because I think this is important. If you're wanting to see God do something miraculous, specifically in the area of finances... You have to honor the word of God and be a tither. There are no exceptions to that. And you're like, well, that's easy for you to say. You're the pastor of the church. I'm telling you something that I've lived for over 20 years. This isn't something that I just say flippantly. It's something that I have lived and I've watched God work. And I have seen God give favor. I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy when we bought our house when we came here. I mean, some of you know the story, some of you don't. We came up here in October right after like the week that we were 
selected as the new pastors of the church. We had a house, the house that we live in today that I was like, man, I like that house. I believe we could do some stuff to it, so forth, so on, you know, all those things. But I couldn't buy it. Why? Because I had a house in Shreveport. Now, these people who I had never met, I'd met them one time. They were moving the next day. And they told me, they, good Baptist folks. And they said, we, we prayed and we believe y'all are the ones who are supposed to buy this house. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. And I'm like, but I can't buy it today. And he says, no, we understand. Now, in the, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was this guy, I would not have done what he did for me. I'm too business minded. I'm just like, nope. I mean, it would take an angel showing up. It may not take that, but it, long story short, they held that house for three months vacant and just said, when you sell your house, you can buy this one. Not only that, we were traveling back and forth for about a month in that season, staying at a hotel every weekend, which was not great. I don't know if you've ever tried to live out of a hotel. It's not great. And, uh, you know, but we were traveling back and forth. So I called and I said, hey, could I just take the money that I'm paying for my hotel and just pay it to you and we could just stay in the house on the weekends? He said, don't even worry about it. It'd be great. Just have somebody in the house. Go ahead. Just move some stuff in while you're at it. (laughs) What? Are you in a house that I don't own? I had my stuff. That defies logic. I'm just. Does anybody else think that's crazy? Would you do that? I wouldn't. I'd be like, uh. You might, or at least I would, or at least I would have said, you can pay me the, what you were paying. Cause I, and I told him, I said, look, what I would be paying in a hotel, I'm going to, I'm going to pay it either way. So I'd rather pay you, help you out, cover your costs in the house. He said, I oh, don't worry about it. Craziest thing. I still look back and I'm just like, what was wrong with that guy? But what happened? It was a step of obedience. And so many times I believe that we, 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 We rob ourselves of seeing the miraculous happen in our life. Because God speaks and then we're hesitant to take that step. You know, it's kind of, I mean, think of it, and you'll understand this, but it's like Peter had to get out of the boat to walk on the water, right? He didn't say, Jesus, calm the waves and make it like glass so I can see and like make every step firm. Peter just jumped. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. That's pretty miraculous. I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to walk in water. He's Jesus, of course, you know. But Peter, he was a royal screw-up. <laughs> and gives all of us hope, right? <clears throat> and yet Peter is the only human being that we know of that has ever walked on water besides Jesus. Miraculous. In the midst of a storm, no less. Jesus calmed the storm after Peter falls in the water. It's miraculous, but Peter had to get out of the boat. See, I I believe sometimes, and now I'm not just saying that we act foolishly. But if you're believing God in an area of your life that you're really needing a breakthrough and you're really needing something miraculous to happen, don't put it all on God like he's got to do it. Here's the right prayers to say, Lord, what's my first step? You tell me my first step to getting to my miracle. Because many times I believe the Lord will give us instructions if we'll ask. Because what happens, I think, in the, just in our natural selves, we can sit back and wait. It's like, okay, Lord, work. Okay, Lord, work. Okay, Lord, work. And he's saying, come get on the water with me. Come walk by faith. Come live by faith. Don't, don't stay in that place of comfort. Don't stay in that place of, you know, um, where it, it may seem like in the natural that, oh, well, this is great. Let me say it this way. There's safety in the boat, but there's miracles out on the water. Amen. And if we just stay what we know, we could be robbing ourselves of seeing the miraculous happen. You know, it's kind of the whole idea of, well, I mean, I want to see miracles. I want to see, you know, blind eyes open. Have you ever prayed for a blind person? Now, you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit in this, Obviously. But does the Bible not say that we as the righteous can lay hands upon the sick and see them recover? 
Lord, I want to see some miracles. Send me some sick people. Holy Spirit, lead me to the people that you want to minister through me to. Then all of a sudden you get that little prompting. This is how, you know, and this may not be for everybody. And this doesn't always happen. But I can tell you one of the ways that I can just even in the natural when I'm like, how do you know it's the voice of the Lord? Two things happen. I get a random thought that I would not think on my own. And number two, my heartbeat will start to speed up quite a bit. And there's this something on the inside of me that gets stirred up. It's a, it seems like it's a random thought. I know it wasn't my own thought. Now, that's not always the case. But there are times, if the Lord wants to get my attention, that'll happen. And I have this nervousness like, oh, well, what if this isn't the Lord? Oh, what if it is? And so to see the miraculous, I just want to encourage you. This could be in any area of your life. I mean, I, I have stories in my physical body where the miraculous has happened. That I, and I've shared these many times. Where God has worked and completely healed my body. Like, undeniably. I could show you x-rays. I could show you things that they told me. Or tell you the things that they told me. And I'm well beyond. Well beyond when they said that I would have issues. And I have no issues at all. I have nothing standing from them. You know, I mean, I shared with you about finances. I shared, I've shared before about how I battled with depression. I mean, in the natural, is there a cure for depression? No, they'll medicate it and they'll counsel it and they'll do these things. But they're like, oh, you just got to cope. That's what they say. That's what the best of medical science will tell you. You just got to learn some coping mechanisms. Well, did Jesus not say that he came to free the oppressed? One word from God. Look, you may be here and you may be dealing with mental as far as oppression, depression, whatever it may be. One word from God and one step of obedience towards that can change everything. Why? Because that's exactly how it happened with me. That's miraculous. Even science can't tell me how I got over depression. But I just know that the Lord did it. Now, it's taken me, you know, in a moment I was delivered, without a doubt. But it took me time to unlearn some ways of thinking. And I've had to have the Holy Spirit walk with me to help me. And there's been times that I get in a big mess because I allow my mind. Now, that hadn't happened in a long time, but there have been times where... You slip back into those habits and it's like, oh man. And you know what? And God has still come back. God will still be faithful. See, receiving a miracle from the Lord is not about our deserving it. Yes, we have to walk in obedience. Yes, we need to be asking Him for wisdom. But even if we get ourselves into a mess, God will deliver you. I mean, I talked about us buying that house and getting out of all, the, all kinds of debt and stuff. I got in debt because it was my fault. There was nobody to blame. We had shop therapy. Thank you, Visa. Thank you, MasterCard. Thank you, Discover Card. Thank you. So we racked up all these bills. It was nobody's fault but my own. And yet the, the Lord was still gracious and faithful. So don't get caught into the trap of in any area of your life. Well, you've created this because why? The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He's going to come and try to convince you that you're where you deserve to be. Well, you need to remind him that you have a great father who is endless in power and ability, who will work for you at every turn. He's a God of the miraculous. And then when those things happen, talk about it. Share what God did. Share about his goodness. Share about his faithfulness in your life. Why? Because that will open the door for other people. For God's power and God's goodness to work in their life as well. So, I want to take a few minutes here. And I just want to give you, even as I've been sharing, I believe that the Lord would stir up some things in your heart. And so, here's the qualifications. So, this is how we're going to do this. Number one rule, keep it short. I don't need every detail. We don't need every detail. Right? Stay focused, that's what my wife tells me. Stay focused. But... 
if you could say, man, I know that the Lord did something miraculous in my life. It can be in any area. I'm not qualifying anything. But keep it to the point. Why? Because I want as many people to be able to share their stories as we, as we can get in in the time that we have. But who wants to go first? Anybody? Everybody's like, I don't want to be first. Good news, you're second. I already went first. So, here's, oh, here's rule number two. Here's rule number two. You have to talk into the microphone. I almost forgot that one. That one's important. This is how you talk into a microphone right here. Not way down here because nobody can hear that. You talk into a microphone up here. So, you don't have to go. <laughs> Matt's like, I'll do it. <laughs> Which one you want to know first? <laughs> there's, there's tons of them. I give a few uh, basic highlights. I know financially, which I've you know shared some with you before too. Whenever I lost my job, I had a baby, was married. Not too long after I got married, had a baby, and all this, lost my job, making about seven hundred something dollars a week after taxes. That's what I was bringing home to. What two hundred? <laughs> going okay. How do you pay everything? So. That was a big changing point in mine and Brooke's life where we started learning how to trust God. And in the process of trusting God, we always had more money than what we did, making a lot less than what we did when we was making more. So he provided all that time, the whole entire time financially on that until he told me to get another job. That is a whole other miracle <laughs> in that one. But... uh so I mean, there, there's a financial one. We got several of them, but uh, another one, like a f- physical healing, was I know when I was playing football, mom remembers that I tore every muscle in my rotary cup. There's four muscles that make up your rotary cup, and it was basically this is all I could do, not even as high as my head. And went to the doctor, a couple of doctors, I believe. Finally went to a sports doctor, took X-rays and all, and he said you'll never use your arm again or lift it higher than your shoulder and unless you have surgery you probably have to have a couple surgeries well I was going over there at the other church and I was like you know what no no I was always raised to trust God for your healing so that was a big step for me and I just told God I said once this man lay hands on me my faith is that you're going to heal me through him when he touches me and instantly when he touched me my arm went straight up in the air and I've never had surgery Never had any problems with it. And it was dislocated nine times in the last football game, I think. And it, I, it ain't dislocated, but I think one time since, that was my ignorance. <laughs> had nothing to do with God. <laughs> that How was long me. ago was that? Uh, I mean, you were in high school. So. Yeah, I was in high school. Man, that's too long ago. <laughs> He's having to do too much math. <laughs> like, the numbers are too big. You good now? Or am I going somewhere else? Quick and easy. Mine's actually um, a little bit more recent. Um, I've been struggling with depression. And, uh, you know, I've been praying. I've been praying, you know, God, I want to give you my heart. I want you to put me where you want me. You know, I want to give you the glory. I'm going to live my life for you. And we was pulling into the neighborhood. (laughs) And, you know, we had praise and worship on us. Me, Chris, and Marshall. I don't know where we was coming from, where we was going. And uh, I was going home, but I pulled into my neighborhood and God just, he, it's like the Holy Spirit just told me, you can't earn my love. I just love you. And ever since then, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it just, it, I feel lighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like lifted. And it's just that one, one thing that the Holy Spirit told me, it's like something I already knew, but it's just like I had a revelation mm-hmm. whenever the Holy Spirit told me that in that moment. And I just, uh, I'm just lighter. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to explain it, but yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Quick and easy. <laughs> sure. That goes back to that whole just one word from God. I, I Amy. We were on the way to visit family in Harrison, and I got the strong urge to pray before we left. And it had started raining and everything, and it was just. A little bit after we got out of the rain, we were going, and we took a curve, and it was a really sharp curve, and we started sliding. I'm pretty sure, you know, thinking about it now, there was no way we should have ride it as quick as we did. And, you know, it was one of those mountain mm-hmm. roads. Like, if we hadn't have prayed, 
for that protection before he left, mm-hmm. I'm sure we would have had a wreck. Yeah. Well, and that, that's a, a good little nugget there, too. You know, you say, well, I don't always pray. Did you hear what she said? I felt like I needed to pray. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, I believe, prompts us in those moments, and we can't ignore those things either. And we've got to pay attention and be like, oh, wait, I need to, to, to give credence to what and why he's stirring in me. Um, you know, there was a, a situation here not too long ago for us, and the Lord just it was something that I knew and I know really well, but yet the Lord reminded me of it. And, um, you know, and so we began to make some adjustments and some things. And it was amazing, just that one little thing. Just It was like a chain reaction that fell through on the back side of that. And it was like she said, I just felt like, okay, I need to... Mm-hmm. It's like, like it was a direct instruction to pray for protection. Yeah. And that's huge. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. And you got to follow those. Okay. When Amy was like seven years old, uh, her dad had gone off to Hot Springs with uh, one of our friends. And on the way back, it was storming. I mean, like raining real bad. And it was at the house. And they was... Uh, Headed home, they was close to Camden, and um, she asked me. She says, "You think Dad is still driving?" And I said, "Yeah, they're almost home." And she says, "Well, I think we need to pray for them because it's raining too hard, and they need Jesus with them." So we did, and she said the prayer. You know, I did mine, but she said her prayer out loud and made sure Jesus heard everything she said. And the next day, Mike was telling me that there was a tree had fallen across the road. And he says, I swear I don't know how it kept falling on us. And we went back and looked the next day where the tree was. And uh, he says, no, ain't no way that could have happened. And I told him about Amy and her prayer. And he says, I just got cold chills. And I said, yeah, but uh, Amy's prayer helped y'all because you're here because of her. Nope. Ain't that prayer? Here's the you lesson. Know? If Amy says that she feels like we need to pray, we probably ought to, I, probably ought to pray. I, I <laughs> don't do. Kinda, don't kind of blow that off, you know. <laughs> Christy, back there in the back. When I was 17, I got pregnant for the first time, and I miscarried my baby at four and a half months. And actually, today would have been his 24th birthday. And I prayed for years to be able to have a baby, and I just never, I could not get pregnant no matter what, you know. And then finally, when I married Aaron, I found out and that I was pregnant with Brennan. And Brennan is truly a miracle because I was told by doctors for probably 15 years that I would never have another child. Mm-hmm. Amen. September, I think, 29th of last year. Feeling good, went to town, saw a friend, started hurting a little bit before I left. After seeing him, I started hurting a little bit more, headed home. Well, when I got home, I was really hurting. So I told Sid, my wife, that she needed to take me to the hospital. I laid down for a little while, got worse, so we loaded up in the truck, went to the ER. Got there, he did a... Some kind of scan, CAT scan or a CT or whatever. Uh, previous, I had about four years earlier, I had a stent put in my door in the main artery that goes up to your heart. Well, that ain't ruptured. Gave me about 25 minutes to live. Uh, I asked him if I was in trouble. He said, yeah. So they had contacted the doctor in Little Rock. And uh, they got somebody set up, and the helicopter was on the way. Well, it took, I don't know, an hour, maybe for the helicopter to get there. They loaded me up. And as we was leaving, you know, uh, didn't know I had much time. And something told my wife to get on her knees and 
pray. So that's what she did. Uh, she prayed for, asked for a miracle. Uh, got to the hospital in Little Rock. Make a long story, all that happened. Several hours later, I come out of the operating room, and the doctor said, you know, he really couldn't tell me what happened, that he never seen anything like it, but I, by rights, I should be dead. Didn't he give you, like, some percentage or something? He like, gave me a 1% chance to live. 1%, less than 1%. Less than 1%. Didn't he say, like, out of 1,000 people, you're the one who would make it or something like that? Or wasn't it some number like that? It was crazy. So the good Lord gave me a double shot that day. Uh, he gave my family a miracle in two ways. He got me back in church, got her back in church, gave me another chance at, you know, getting everything together. Gave you another chance to go back to work. That's it. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. See, how many of you didn't even know that about him? I mean, it's powerful. The doctor said, man... You got 1%. God doesn't even need that. Ms. Linda? This may not seem like a miracle to a lot of people, but it is to us. And it is when God's important in your life. Mm-hmm. And having a home church uh, is important. And we moved here in August of last year. We went to two or three different churches. And they just didn't fit right. And we drive by this church all the time. And the Holy Spirit told me one day, you need to go to church there. And so I told Bob, who never listens to me. (laughs) (laughs) And we came the next Sunday, and we weren't here five minutes when he said, we found our home church. I say that's the spirit is there. Here is the crazy thing about their story. I didn't get to meet Bob before service. And so after praise and worship, or after what I don't remember, we broke or whatever, I remember I slipped out into the hallway, and he was coming back in. And um, he, you know, we, kind of pleasantries and nice to meet you, whatever. And he said, uh, he said, the Lord told us that this is where we're supposed to be. This is our church. And here was my thought. You ain't even heard me preach yet. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I wouldn't tell anybody that. I was like, I would at least wait and be like, I'm going to check you out first. Like, I ain't saying squat. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, even things like that, though. It is, because it's difficult trying to, to be in a new place and mm-hmm. go to churches and figure out if that's where you want to be or not be. Right. So, to me, it was it's a miracle. That, oh, yeah. And learning, again, to listen to the Spirit mm-hmm. and to follow it. Because sometimes we just blow it off with other yeah. things going through our mind. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I can say this. We prayed for you. I know that. <laughs> I, I don't talk much anyway, so yeah, it's got to be short. I used to work for a construction company, uh, and this was in '93. I was a dispatcher, <clears throat> and uh, this is a multi-million-a-month company, big company. And uh, it was on Saturday. I was dispatching. I was trying to get a dump truck off the yard because the oil field—it's oil field construction company. Uh, the oil field needed something quick. And uh, I helped the guy uh, look over the truck, make sure it was all right. And we, of course, when we park the trucks, the beds are lifted up. And they stay that way when the engine's cut off. I put my hand, I saw a piece of pipe with a piece of metal sticking out that was going to blow the inner tire on the outside, in the uh, back of the dump truck. I went to pick it up. I put my hand on the C-frame. It's a little C-channel. Not little. Big. Huge. C-channel runs down the frame. I put my hand on that. Reached over there and got that piece of pipe. And unbeknownst to me, the driver lowered the bed. Uh, It's a gravity feed. You didn't have to turn the engine on. The distance between the C-frame and the dump truck bed is that big. And you can't see it because it, you can almost not see light. He got in the truck. Didn't know I was still back there. Kneeling on the ground trying to figure out how to get my hand out of here. He started up the truck and went a few feet. And I hollered at him. He had the window open. Fortunately, and... and uh, saw me and he stopped the truck 
went back there and, oh my God, he went over there and hit the lever and raised the, raised the bed up. These fingers, these three fingers, that thick. Oh, mm. oh, nobody has a weak stomach, but everything <laughs> inside the fingers smushed out to the side. Fingers were flat as this paper. It was uh, the, the two layers of skin on the top and the bottom that smashed together. Nothing was there. From here, from this, these, these knuckles forward. And, uh, of course, I started praying immediately. And uh, my wife at that time was there. And uh, she took me to the hospital, saw a uh, orthopedic doctor, well, well-known, very well-trusted man. So we've got to set this off. There's nothing left. The bone's not there. Nothing's going to grow back. The nerves are gone. The bones are gone. The meat's gone. It's gone. We've got to cut these off. They were flat. These things were flat. Mm. <laughs> no fear. No tears. No pain. Hmm. Of course, I started praying the second it happened. And I told him, I said, no, sir, you're not going to cut these off. God knows what I do, and I have to have my hands. I've been praying since the second this happened, and this guy does not believe in Jesus, the doctor. <clears throat> this was on a Saturday morning. They started soaking my hand in a betadine solution. It had grease, grime, lubrication grease, pieces of paint, everything ground into the whole works. Oh. And uh, they were soaking my hand, trying to clean up the best they could since I wasn't authorized. The guy got, in fact, in the in emergency room, the, the doctor got so mad, he said, okay, by Monday morning, when we have to cut it off here because of gangrene, then you'll wish you had taken my advice. He was hot. Mm-hmm. You know, people that don't believe in Jesus don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at any rate, uh, uh, Monday morning, the fingers had blown up by themselves. How'd that happen? They took, I still got the scar, they took the skin from here uh, and fixed this finger to, to close it up and fixed both fingers and they could sew this one up. The scar was still here. Mm-hmm. Ten days later, I was typing on a computer keyboard. Wow. Wow. He said the nerves and the bones would never go back. Awesome. I had a little bandage on each finger typing on the computer keyboard ten days. Wow. That's awesome. And he said when I went back to the to the final not the final checkup, I told him, uh, sir, you know, I believe in God. He healed these fingers, and he just, like that. I said, don't call me, I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. This, this is visible. Yeah. Yeah, I've had many other circumstances in prior to that. Just not ready to. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Okay, this just a just a few weeks ago, actually, it was the Friday of um, spring break. This spring break was ending that Friday. We had um, decided to take David to to Little Rock to Playtime Pizza, and so we were headed headed back. And it started it started raining between um, was it Fordyce and Camden. It started raining. It started raining some pretty good, and then by the time we got to Camden, we we always take you know, Fairview Road there and come the back way home on Washita 67. And we we were not even out of uh, Camden city limits when it started raining so hard. And I mean so hard that I literally probably wasn't, I was doing less than five miles an hour. I mean, I could not see the road. Yeah, if that, I could not see the road at all. And which before we go anywhere, you know, leave out in the morning, even going to school every day, before we leave anywhere, we always... Pray for protection and everything, and um, and so we, of course, had done that that morning. And and I, I told Matthew, I said, I just hope no traffic comes 
towards us at all because I can't see the road, much less if anything was around us. Well, it had already been storming there. Obviously, it was still storming. But, you know, like when it's snowing and you're trying to travel down a road that's covered in snow and you can't see the road, Mm -hmm. that's how the road was, but only with the um, uh, pollen pods from pine trees. Literally, it was so thick, you could not see the road, the sides of the road, and it was crunching as I was driving on it. And so, and that's how Watchtaw 67 all the way home from Camden all the way home was. And so, but, oh, uh, we're, we were a good piece down, down Watchtaw 67. And so, um, and Matthew was, you know, he was over there and he, you know, he was praying and everything. And so he'd stop and it was just raining harder and harder. And, and David, all of a sudden he said, um, uh, I can't remember exactly how he said it. He said, he said, this, this, something about this can't, this can't be, this can't happen. You know, God says we um, pray over the storms and, and, and it has to stop. And now he said, in the name of Jesus, this has to stop now. Where my mama can see how to drive, it has to stop now in the name of Jesus. And from raining that hard that I couldn't see nothing, it all but almost completely stopped. It to a mist. I mean, just well. an instant like that. You know, and... And, you know, praise God, because we got on up a little bit, and on the right side, there a tree had fell across the road, just enough where I could go around it. And then a little bit up from that, a top of a tree had fell out the opposite side into the road. So, I mean, if it's still been raining like that, ain't no way. Because wow. literally, I could not see my home <clears throat> headlights. So, literally, I could not see anything, wow. you know. And um, so, but yeah, he said, he goes, Mama, he goes, Dave was praying. I was praying, in, uh, you know, under my breath. He said, but my knees were starting to get a little shaky. So I just had to say, in the name of Jesus, this got to quit now. And I mean, and in, and, and in that instant, it did. Yeah. It was like just to a miss. And I was like, well, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you get a little fed up. And then it's just like, all right, enough already. Oh, that's awesome. That goes back to that faith as a child thing, you know, just. Aaron. When I was 17, I had borrowed my dad's truck to go visit my brother because he had moved out. And he lived out on Magnolia Highway. And just doing like a normal do in the summer, the truck didn't have air conditioner. I'm hanging my arm out driving. I stopped to turn. I bring my arm in to turn the steering wheel. And instantly felt the truck jerk forward and look to the side and seen 18-wheeler tire up in the window. I just hang on for the ride. He drags me down the highway a little ways. He gets out, runs back, and this is a little bitty guy driving a big truck. Fully loaded. He he comes and he says, you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm trying to get out of the truck. Door won't open, so I hit it a few times. The door falls off. I get out. We call. Still when we hit pay phones. State trooper shows up. And he said, okay, who was driving this vehicle? And I said, I was. And he said, no, you wasn't. I said, yeah, I was. And the truck driver said, yeah, he was driving. He said, there's no way you could have been driving and not be hurt. And I says, why do you say that? Well, the door was pushed in halfway across the driver's seat. Hmm. The roof was crumpled in. The floorboard was crumpled in, but I had not a scratch. It kind of looked like it could have been a bubble around the way it looked. Yep. God will protect us. Amen. Yeah. Miss Lisa. Um, I got two real quick. Uh, one was uh, we were uh, living out close to where she was talking about. They had the bad weather coming home uh, in Standard Upstead. And I walked outside. Our kids was, was school age and Chris was at work. And I went outside, and the wind was whipping, and it was getting into a bad storm. And all of a sudden, I was seeing a tornado literally come towards us and, and start coming down to hit the ground. And it was, it was from, it was, it, was the, it was probably the gift of faith plus the anointing of knowing our authority. But I just, I looked at it and pointed to it and said, in the name of Jesus, you lift up and you go over. And it literally lifted up, it dissipated, went over, and it formed again going back over. On to the other side of the road. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, that was one. And then Lita, when I was pregnant with her, um, I got really sick. They couldn't find out why. They had doctors coming from, I mean, Washington, everywhere. They, they, it was, I was really sick and, uh, was losing weight, couldn't keep nothing down. And 
So finally, the doctor called Chris in, in there, and he said, we are going to have to abort the baby to save your wife's life. And um, so Chris came in, and he talked to me, and, and we we didn't know a whole lot about faith. We were actually just learning about walking in faith in, in God. And uh, But we decided, no, we weren't going to do that. We were going home. And so... Um, as we got ready to leave, he said, I will not check you out. The doctor said, I will not sign you out of the hospital. You will have to sign yourself out. And he said, I will read your obituary in two days. Hmm. And, you know, and not knowing a whole lot, but knowing enough to know that God said he already given us the name of the, of the child. And we knew it was supposed to be a girl. Um, anyway, we, we, we went home. And it was not an instant process. It was a, it was a process. But over uh, probably about four months' time, I lost my hair. I lost my voice. I lost. I lost everything. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't get out of bed or nothing. But long story short, she was born uh, seven months later, six pounds and something, totally fine at home. Yeah, my mom delivered. She had a little bubble on her head, which was like a water bubble thing. Which was we laid hands on it, and two days it was gone. And every time I think about it now, I think about if we would have obeyed the doctor, you know. We wouldn't have aunt. We wouldn't have Lita. Mm-hmm. And so God, God we got to be God. We yeah. got to be God. Yeah. Aren't you glad for miracles? We all get a blessing, and her name's Lita. <laughs> About 16 years ago, I wasn't, I was a believer, but I wasn't like a practicing believer. And I had been out with some friends and whatnot, and I was taking this kid home that had been doing a lot of drinking. And uh, I was going from one town to another, about a 30-minute drive. <laughs> and my tire had come off the edge of the road just a little bit and caught gravel, which is, uh, in Iowa, that's how they do the shoulders. is mm-hmm. just kind of a gravel area. Oh. Anyhow, um well, the kid grabbed a hold of my hand or my wrist, and I couldn't let go of my steering wheel. And because of the way he had a hold of me, I ended up way overcorrecting and crossed four lanes of major highway and median and ended up, I was driving a little Geo Metro at the time. And uh, I went down this culvert, like 45, 50-degree angle, whatever. I don't, it was steep. And ended up with the rear end of my car against a fence. But the way I went in, my car should have rolled. Mm-hmm. We should not have walked away. I drove my car out of the ditch and drove it home and did not have a scratch on me or my passenger. Wow. And when I went back through, my car wasn't in very good shape. But, <laughs> I mean... When I went back through that area, it just looking at the area, there's no way we should have survived. Oh. There's no way I should have been able to pull my car out because it busted up the rear suspension and everything. Oh. I shouldn't have been able to drive my car, let alone walk away. Oh. But um, So there's that one. And like I said, I wasn't full-on practicing at that time. And then... Um, not too long after we had gotten married, uh, we were struggling with some finances because I was trying to figure out how to feed all five of us with one income and, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, we had gotten a 24-hour disconnect notice. We had 24 hours to pay our electric bill. Two weeks later, almost exactly two weeks later when we were able to pay, our lights were still on. It never got shut off. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, and the only other one I have is everybody knows Heather. Anna. She was teeny tiny. She was premature. Um, she was less than two pounds. And wow. the night that I had her, my placenta had abrupted. And I was hemorrhaging, and they took me to this little small town hospital which was the closest one they had no way of no preparation didn't know how to even handle that kind of situation because of how small she was and uh so everybody's all panicking and i'm just calm i'm like y'all just take a chill we're cool 
And they took me in, put me under, and they lost Heather's heartbeat. They did chest compressions on her for four hours. Mm. Um, We had a massive storm roll in not long after I had arrived at the ER, and they had to wait for a transport team that was coming from two hours out. They wanted to send a helicopter, but because of the storm, they couldn't. So a two-hour trip ended up being over four hours. And all I saw of her was this itty-bitty, I mean, like a peanut M&M-sized hand. And they transported her, and they told me I was going to be in the hospital for three days because I had just had this surgery. And I'm going, oh, no, I'm going to be gone within 24 hours. (laughs) And I was. I got to the hospital where they had transported her. And in the NICU, they had, um, I found out through paperwork a couple years later that they had been doing the chest compressions. I didn't know that they had actually lost her. And the surgeon had come in and told my mom and my grandmother at the time that uh, I was okay but to pray for the baby because they weren't sure she was surviving at all. Well, when I arrived at the hospital, they had transported her. Uh, About 24 hours later, I found out that she had been on oxygen and off of oxygen in under 20 hours. She had no issues with breathing, no issues with her eyes, ears, everything fully checked out. And today we have a 12-year-old going on. 35. <laughs> <laughs> well. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Chris. <clears throat> it's a miracle. <laughs> I got a two really quick. Um, I don't know how. I was probably about 24, 25. Uh, I kind of put myself in this situation. Um, two, I ended up picking up two guys and they tricked me into going out of town and, or whatever. And, uh, basically their plan was, was to, uh, steal my card and, and basically kill me. So, um, I got beat over the head with a 40 ounce bottle, a full one, and, uh, also a tire iron. And I know during that time I was getting kicked in the face, punched and all kind of stuff during this. And we were in Dubont, Louisiana. Um, and basically, I, I was very unaware of where I was. And uh, I woke up, came to about four or five times. They just kept knocking me out and knocking me out. And then somehow just some burst of energy, and I felt like it was God's voice just told me to run. And I don't know where or how I was even able to with the condition I was in. But uh, I ran to a, just somebody's house and knocked on their Knocked on the door, of course. They wanted me to come to the window, and they saw the blood all over me. And, uh, I mean, I feel like God gave me the power to actually run from my car to that person's house. And as soon as I got in there, I collapsed. Uh, and it took me probably about a week and a half to get out of the hospital. And hmm. uh wasn't recognizable for at least four or five days. Uh, wow. Also, with that being said... God also healed me from uh, drug, uh, 15 years of uh, drug and alcohol problems. Uh, ever, ever since then, um, I, I've had a tra- um, my thought process has changed. There's not been any desire to pick up any pill, any type of drug, or any any drop of liquor. So, oh. Amen. that's powerful. I mean, here's the thing, you know, that I love about even what he was just saying, especially the last part, is that we serve a real God who helps with real problems. You know, I mean, when we're talking in church and sharing the Word of God, it's not theory. You know, it's not just, uh, yeah, works fast, you know. Yeah, And, and you know, and that's the thing is that, man, when we would, I mean, you know, you listen to all these different stories and all these and look, I mean, they're all problems. They're all messes. They're all issues. They're all concerns. And it's life. And it comes. And, you know, and it's a challenge. But when we can remind ourselves in the moment, as I mean, God is faithful. 
is that God can work miraculously. God can do whatever He needs to do, regardless of how we got where we're at. Doesn't matter as Christians. I was kind of there of my own doing. Some of it is, you know, situations that were outside of your control. Miss Lisa, they're like, hey, you know, you need to abort your baby. You, well, there's not. That's not. She's in the situation, but regardless, if you need God to work, He will. Even to the point of if it's a miracle, he says, that's okay, I got that too. Because there's nothing that God ever steps back from and is like, oh no, shoot, that's a little too big. No, I I think, man, we believe God for the impossible, for the miraculous. Why? Because he's able and he's willing and he will work for us. You know, and so, and I know there's a... You know, just like we've just been sharing a lot of stories where it's like, oh, well, God came through. And I understand. I know stories here. And it's like, well, God didn't come through. What do you do with that? That's where faith comes in. Because we still live in a fallen world. Now, that's not a a cop out or anything in any way. And I hope it doesn't sound like that. Um, But just because something may not have happened the way that you thought, don't let that deter your faith either. And keep you from believing God. Uh, moving forward. Why? Because God is still God. God is still faithful. Um, you know, and God will honor His Word in our life. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you. I mean, we heard all kinds of different stories, all kinds of different pieces and elements of whatever you face, you have a God who's the God of miracles, who's active, that wants to work for us. And it's more about Him being who He is than it is about us doing what we're supposed to do. And that God will work and God will move on our behalf.